Glory to God. So here we are. We're in Psalm uh, 27. Is everybody there? In uh, verse 1, it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear or dread? Um, Incidentally, I'm sorry. This is the Amplified Classic Edition. So the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear or dread? The Lord is the refuge and stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat my, up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart shall not fear, though war arise against me. Even then, in this, will I be confident. Everybody say, in this I will be confident. In what? Just you name it. Anything. Mess. Challenge. Difficulty. Uh, you name it. Economic. Physical. You know, your health. Every type of attack. It's, he's saying, even in this, even when those things manifest, I will be confident. And so, so, of course, our confidence is in the Lord, in his promise, in the, the word of God. And we, we did a series on uh, placing a value or a premium on God's word and allowing uh, our, ourselves to uh, deem the word precious, if you will. Uh, so we're elevating it in our lives. I remember uh, a missionary uh, years ago um, heard the story of uh, where they were in China and there was this little lady there. And uh, uh, she met one of those missionaries. They were over there to preach and minister the gospel. And uh, uh, she, she ran into him. Her job was to, um, to sweep the excrement, human excrement, into the gutter because they just do it out in the open. And, and so her job was to push that stuff into a gutter so they would move on, I guess. And uh, I know that doesn't sound very attractive, but I'm just talk, talking to you about the condition of her life. And so this missionary meets her, and, and uh, she says, what are you doing here? And he's like, I'm a Christian. And she said, pray. So her proof of him even being a Christian was hearing him pray. And as she heard him pray, she would know whether or not it was true or not. And so, so, so she, she heard him pray, and she realized, yes, he is a Christian. And he said, said, do you have a Bible? And she says, no, we are not allowed to have Bibles here. And he was so moved by this woman's faith and her, her relationship with God that he's like, I have got to get her a Bible. And they brought Bibles in uh, the uh, language of the people there, uh, but they only were allowed one Bible each. And they had to prove they had it when they left. So at least they allowed him. So he had the idea to take a section out of each one of the people's Bibles that he came with in order to provide for her a Bible. And so when he brought her that Bible that was pieced together by all the other missionaries and, and bound it somehow, I'm sure somebody must have lost their cover. But anyhow, so, so he gives her this Bible. She takes this Bible gently from him and, and grabs it and holds it to her heart and says, Precious. Precious, precious. And I heard that story years ago. I was just like, oh my goodness, I need to elevate my value of God's word. And so, so we, we um, as, as believers, if we will stand on the word of God and take that promise before him and bring to his remembrance what he has already said to us, then God is able to move. He's able to protect. He's able to change virtually Anything, anything can be changed 
by faith. Every circumstance of life, every situation of life. And I know many of you are going, but well, you know, there's this and there's that. Listen, honestly, I'm telling you, you just, if you've been around this a little while, you realize and recognize any person can be changed. Any circumstance can be changed. You do not have to accept the condition of what is being offered to you. And I know because I've had this happen in my own life in many different areas. And I'm, I, I, you know, it's funny. After a while, you'd think you'd quit getting so upset about stupid things. You know what I'm saying? As it happens, you're like, oh my goodness, things that just really just, we allow to rock our worlds. I mean, just like, oh, you know, what am I going to do now? You know, we just get all messed up, you know, and, and, and start freaking out. And, and that's what the enemy would like for us to do is to get sucked into the circumstance and the situation and, and to really start meditating on how big the mountain is. And we'd start not just looking at the mere size of the mountain, but the wild beasts that are on it and the rocky crags and the, and the giant old growth of trees. They're just, how do you move such a, a mass? And Jesus just told us what to do. He said that all you got to do is talk to the mountain. And so when we go before God in prayer with our, our situations of life and circumstances of, of life, we're talking to the God who literally made everything including the mountain. Incidentally, why the mountain moves with words is because it was put there with words. And so, so when we pray, when we stand praying, we believe that what we're praying is actually taking place. It's the, virtually why the word amen is, is, is actually the post thing that you say after you pray. It literally means that now that's the new condition. That's what it means, truth. I just spoke it and it is now truth. Amen. Hallelujah. So <laughs> he said, so in all this mess, I will be confident. Verse four, one thing have I asked of the Lord that, that, I may, um, that I will or will I seek, inquire for, and insistently require that I may dwell in the house of the Lord in his presence all the days of my life to behold and gaze upon the beauty, the sweet attractiveness and the delightful loveliness of the Lord and to meditate, consider and inquire in his temple. Woo! So, so it's interesting oftentimes uh, with worship, um, uh, man, I tell you what, we get into some times where the Holy Spirit just falls during worship and I'm just like, yes! And there's some of us who have learned to really enter into that and enjoy that and experience, literally experience God himself in that atmosphere. And, and, and uh, you just want everybody to do it. But, you know, there are people that really, um, that, you know, handfuls of people that will, in churches, they'll just tolerate worship. Well, I wish these people would quit making all this noise. You know? 
and, 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 and not really enter in. Because if, if the believer would truly enter into that experience of which is literally, I, I hate to use this as an illustration because I get judged for this, but literally, you know, the, the relationship with the, with the Father, the ultimate relationship would be equivalent to the ultimate relationship with the husband and wife, and that would be intimacy. Isn't that right? Well, listen, worship is the pinnacle. We are, it is the highest type of praying. And some, then there's those who are really committed to prayer and they think, well, let's get over the worship part so we can get to praying. Listen, if you miss something, praying is the highest, or excuse me, worship is the highest kind of praying. If if prayer is communing with God, its highest form has to be worship. Because it's not, it's, it's forgetting everything, at least you should be during this time. You should be forgetting about you, everyone else. It's all about him. Isn't that right? And that's why when they said, you know, Jesus, teach us to pray. Jesus said, this is how you do it. He said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So you begin with worship. In prayer, it should begin with worship. God, I just want to tell you, I just love you so much. I worship you. I'm so grateful to be able to be standing here before you in your throne room of grace and just like, you know, pinch me. I'm in the room with him. He did it all, made everything, and he's talking to me. Now you think about how you'd feel if like the president of the United States would, would talk to you or a person of a big corporation or a famous person, how that makes you feel. You're like, whoa, I'm pretty important. I get to talk to them. But God, God. <laughs> and it's not like, you know, it's not like you walked in there and it's like, oh, well, look who's here, you guys. Whoa, you know. It's he's like, please come. Come, call unto me. And I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you don't even know about. And you can't get this, you guys, unless you go in there. And worship is the beginning. I like what Patsy Caminetti said. Uh, she said that you could take the stairwell to the throne by praying, or you can take the elevator by worshiping. I like the elevator thought, don't you guys? He's like, woo, oh God, I love you, I worship you, I praise you. Hallowed be thy name. Hallelujah, right? And some of us, um, uh, I, I call it the law of ascent, but uh, many of us enter into that differently, at different ages, different cultures, different groups. But whatever you got to do to worship your way up into that place, get there. I don't care if it's rock of ages, clap for thee. You know, for my mom, my mom is in heaven. She's been there a while. You know, I think she'd be like 102 or something by now. But anyway, she, she just loved, you know, I come to the garden alone when the dew is still on the roses. And that's when I found out what God's name is. Andy walks with me. Andy talks. You didn't know that, did you? (laughs) 
And then, you know, we got all these different people of, of how, how they enter. They just have different uh, desires, different music, different sounds. And, and it really honestly is, is of no measure. It doesn't matter that, but that you get in there. Worship yourself up into that place. The manifesting of the power of God. And, and there's so many amazing uh, new gifts and sounds. I believe there's sounds for every generation. I believe that God strategically causes these sounds to come into the hearts of those people. Never judge how any generation's getting in there. Let them go. Allow them to make their noise all the way up into the throne room of God. Hallelujah. I believe that, that minister, he can wrap his way up in there. Glory to God. <laughs> Nothing but the blood, the blood, the blood, blood. You know, come on. <laughs> Hallelujah to Jesus. We just got to do what we got to do and get into that place. So that, that we can begin uh, from that place to begin to commune with God and then take care of uh, what we are hearing as called the serious business of heaven. And you can actually literally, I believe, even laugh your way up into that place. Just start laughing and rejoicing. And just, you know, I have gotten so drunk in the Holy Ghost laughing where I'm like, wow, I can't even stop. I mean, it hurts, but it hurts so good. You know, I'm just laughing tears, you know. <laughs> you know, just laughing, you know, and enjoying God and his goodness. And I'm telling you guys that that's what he loves. Amen. He doesn't just love a hilarious giver or he's not just unwilling to do without a hilarious giver. But listen, the joy of the Lord literally is our strength. So why wouldn't we start there? Get happy and get into his presence and be grateful for who he is in your life and all he has done. I mean, he has forgiven you for all of your sins. Praise God. Hallelujah. Even the sin of thinking you're better than everyone else. That one too. Because some, some are here because they feel like I don't, I'm unqualified because the devil pushes people one way or the other. Either you're unqualified or you're so stinking righteous you couldn't do nothing for God if he needed you to do it because you're too self-righteous. You can't help anybody in that condition. But if you'll get in the presence of God, he fixes all those things right there. Just get in there. He starts dealing with your heart and showing you stuff and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I can, I can probably change that. And he starts working in you. And you start seeing people different. You start loving everybody. People you used to hate, you just love them more than anybody else now because you see them through the eyes of God. You've spent time with God in his throne room and he is helping you to help people um, in the, in the, on the backside when nobody can see and also on the front side, right in their face, that they see into your eyes and they see there's something different about you, my brother. Something is on you. Something rests on you. I can't explain it, but I can see there's something on you. And I'm like, man, I sure hope so. When I first got saved, I thought that maybe I looked stoned again. I thought maybe that they thought I was smoking weed that day. I looked in the mirror and I'm like, no, my eyes aren't red. I'm, I'm looking okay that way. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. And so, so, so I realized that, you know what, Jesus must be on me or something because, because they're noticing something different about me. And, and so, so we go into this place where, where in that place, we just get everything we need, but you have to get into that place. 
And God's no respecter of persons. He's inviting every single one of us into that place. And, and, and so, so we're reading on. I don't know how far. I, I usually have trouble getting through any kind of message I prepare. Because the Holy Spirit is helping people, you see. I've learned to not worry about it nor rush. Except last week or when I taught on uh, Revelation. <laughs> Everybody said, you went too fast. I don't know what you said. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. So anyway, so we're moving right on. It says, uh, verse five, for in the day of trouble, he will hide me in his shelter. In the secret place of his tent, will he hide me? I want to say that in the last three and a half years or so, I have experienced that hiding place like never before. Honestly, I was confused why everyone else was freaking out. Out. I mean, freaking out. And I'm like going, I really feel guilty because I have none of that going on here. And then I literally prayed about it. I was like, Lord, should I be freaking out? You would tell me if I'm supposed to be right. And it was just peace. It was just rest. It was just total, this confidence that he's talking about here. Glory to God, and, and I'm thankful for that, but that means, you know, I really believe um, that there's glorious times getting ready to break out in the earth for the church, all right? The church is about to break out as we start doing this, as we start coming out of the throne room of grace and walking out into the world, you know, as orbs of God and balls of fire from heaven, that, that, that the, the world is going to experience the church in a whole different dimension, uh, but, but see, there's going to be a lot more H-E double toothpaste released as well so I don't want to deceive anybody or pretend like there's going to be you know all these roses you know and and you know what the song by Satchmo you know you know what a wonderful world you know no it's going to be it's going to be nuts nuts but you know what it's going to be so cool for the church because when the church quits playing church and being the church, that's when the world will recognize us for who we're supposed to be because we're bringing to them his presence. Soldiers came after Jesus. They said there was like 200 soldiers that came to get Jesus to crucify him. And they're like looking for him. And he, all he did was say, I am he. And they're like, crash, crash, swords and, 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 and all the different things they were carrying, you know, their shields clanking and they all fall out. That's because he's so full of God. And he said, this is exactly what I want you to do. The things I have done and greater things you will do because I go to the Father. Now we are just like Jesus in the earth. Yes, Christ's ambassadors. And if, he, if he's saying, you're gonna, you're gonna take it to another level, I think this would be, if there was ever a time, it's time. And we're, how are we gonna do that? We're gonna have to get into his presence. We're gonna have to spend some time. We're gonna have to pray the price. Get in there. This week, we're getting ready to do a, a week of fasting prayer, which we do quarterly. And uh, I just, I'm trying to invite people to come because it, 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 God just fine tunes you when, you when you take special time, extended time. We should pray every day, isn't that right, guys? But I'm talking about when you do extended times and either, even turn over plates of food, which we don't talk a lot about, is, is denying our body. You know, our body, you know, look at mine. Mine is big, you know, it's, it's like it hasn't been starved too much. So missing a meal is not going to hurt you. 
Yeah, in fact, actually, um, my understanding, uh, when you medical science and, and our physical bodies, our bodies were created to fast. And they have clinics where people have extreme different uh, diseases and problems where they go and they fast and they work out and they do all kinds of crazy stuff and they actually rid their bodies of cancer and different diseases. So you gotta know that, man, fasting is great physically for you. It's not gonna kill you. You know, I realize there are some conditions. You know, you know consult your physician, I guess. But if you don't have your Taco Bell this week, I think you'll be okay. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I don't know if I'm going to get to the fasting part of this. That's why I'm going, jumping ahead to that. But we're going to move on. Um, so so I, I had just read five, verse five. For in the day of trouble, he will hide me in his shelter and in the secret place of his tent will he hide me. He will set me high upon a rock and now shall my head be lifted up above my enemies round about me in his tent. Where? In his tent. So when things seem like overwhelming, now listen, the enemies, um, circumstances of life to me are the enemies. Do you know what I'm saying? Now, whether your wife or husband's demon possessed, I cannot confirm nor deny. But I'm just saying, there are situations of life that the enemy is the, the adversity that you're facing, and it could be in your marriage, it could be on your job, it could be literally in many different things uh, that have to do with your life, your business, or whatever the case may be. But when we get into that pavilion, when we're in his tent, that's where he lifts our head, and all of a sudden, the horrible circumstance that you thought was gonna literally take you down doesn't look so bad anymore. Does that make sense? Your situation of life is not hopeless. God is going to do for you more than you can even imagine. I really understand why the word of God is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, not a nuclear bomb to my future, because that would probably freak me out. I don't know if I'd be able to handle that. And he knows what we can handle. So in that place of prayer, he tells you exactly what you need to know right here, right now. I, I, I mean, just the, the fact that Jesus himself is an interesting dynamic. He said um, that I don't even know when I'm coming back. Only the Father. That's an interesting dynamic. It makes me feel a, a little better about why God doesn't tell me things before they happen, you know, or, or necessarily prepare me for all the things that are ahead. Because why? Because this is a walk of faith. This is a walk of faith. And I believe God is going to do some things in people's lives this week during fasting and prayer. And uh, here's the deal. Um, God does do things in this house, you know, because we're praying for this house. We, incidentally, we pray for other pastors and the churches of our city as well. I mean, we don't just pray for us. And I believe that, that, that God is so amazing that he literally helps other places while we're praying here all over the world. And does things in the world preparing for the last days. I mean, we can't get out of here until the gospel goes to all the ends of the earth. So we got to get that going. I'm ready to check out. I'm ready. I'm done. I'm ready to go. You know, let's, let's get this thing moving. Let's get it going. And so we pray to that end that God thrusts forth labors. And so, so, so uh, uh, reading on, I'm getting ahead of myself. And so reading on, it says, um, uh, where was it? Oh, yeah. Um, 
And now shall my head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. In his tent, I will offer sacrifices and shouting of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, have mercy and be gracious to me and answer me. I don't know if you're noticing, but there's worship there again before he goes in for asking what it is he needs. All right. Then um, uh, verse 8. Uh, you have said, seek my face, inquire for and require my presence as your vital need. What is God telling us to do here, people? He's saying, seek my face, inquire for and require my presence as your vital need. In other words, you ask, you, you desperately come in. God, I have to be with you. I have to be with you. I pray that for our services. Lord God, we have to know that we've been in your presence. We have to know that we've heard your voice tonight. I want them to know you, Lord. I want them to experience you. That the, the person, whether religious or never been in church, doesn't even believe in God, they walk into this room and they walk into something that they have never experienced before because we must have God in the church. We must have his presence wherever we are. We can no longer just exist. We can no longer just have cool meetings. We've got to have a, a, a God experience that changes us, moves us, and charges us up so that we are able to do what he's called us to do because we cannot just be satisfied with what we've done in the past or how we were. And I'm not talking about living in sin. I'm just talking about just existing is not enough. I'm talking about we must be empowered. Where that happens is in the presence of God. When we come before him, and uh, you, you can do that in your closet, in that place on the mountain. You can do it literally in the restrooms, excuse me, but it's true. God's not nervous, and he knows all about you, so don't worry about it. Talk to him while you're sitting there, while you're naked in the shower. Talk to him, because guess what? It's not unholy, all right? He made all of it, all right? So he knows he knows what you've done with it, you know what I'm saying? So don't worry about it. Pray in the condition you're in. Pray at all times. Pray while you're driving down the road. Pray, you know, you need to pray if you're driving in Las Vegas. And so, so just experience God. People look over and they see you going, oh, my God. It's like that man's driving with his eyes closed. So don't do that. But... Uh, Worship God and honor God and, and, and let God just show up and show out and do things in your life because he really, really wants to. And uh, this goes on. My heart says to you, your face, your presence, Lord, will I seek, inquire for, and require necessity and on the authority of your word. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. You who have been my help, cast me not off, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation." Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We go down to verse 11. It says, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain and even path. Because of my enemies, those who lie in wait for me, give me not up to the will of my adversary. The, for, for false witnesses have risen up against me. They breathe out cruelty and violence. What um, excuse me, what, what would have become of me had I not believed that I would see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living? Verse 14, wait and hope for and expect the Lord. Be brave and, and of good courage and let your heart be stout and enduring. Yes, wait for and hope for and expect the Lord. This is talking about prayer. Waiting on the Lord. That's just getting in God's presence. They that wait on the Lord, what will happen? 
It's like, that's what happens. We get in the presence of God and we just get all kinds of Holy Ghost steroids. Amen. Amen. Just start getting beefy. Yeah, strong. How do we do it? Spending time with the Lord. We really start to minimize our social media access. It is in conflict, I really believe. I'm telling you, this recently, I just got sucked in. I don't usually, I got sucked in. You're like, oh my goodness, yeah, what's that about? Oh no, and, then, and that, and oh, look at that. Oh, whoa, really, has three eyeballs. Whoa, okay. Oh, and the kitty cat attacked a deer. Oh my goodness, that was stupid. Go on. I mean, literally, and you get sucked in, an hour and a half goes by. And when I look at the clock, I'm like, oh no. I have just wasted an hour and a half of my life for nothing. Do I really absolutely need to know that the kitty cat attacked the deer? Does it make a difference? Or that some idiot took a selfie with a buffalo? Or an elk? I mean, that's what they pull you in. You're like, you know, oh, I got to see this. I, you know, like we really take pleasure in watching somebody get skewered by an elk because they're stupid. I mean, it's really funny. You're like, oh, I got to see that. That's stupid. <laughs> right? I mean, it's like, they pull you in. I mean, how many of us are like, that's really dumb. I got to watch. <laughs> Unbelievable. And then, then next thing you know, all this time is spent and, and for things that have no bearing. They don't only just not have bearing on eternity, they don't have a bearing in the now. Right. <laughs> oh, no, wait, nothing. And so I'm just asking uh, for you to consider your time. And, and maybe um, uh, this week or, you know, as we're doing fasting and prayer, if that is a problem for you, then maybe you should set that aside and make that, that one of the things that you fast is social media, which I've noticed a lot of our young people will do, and I'm very proud of them for doing that, is that, man, this thing is, is a stronghold. I need to set it aside. Some will shut down their Instagram or Facebooks or different things, whatever they're doing, and, and, and not be on them during this time. Why? To seek the Lord, to get before God. Don't you want to know? Don't you want to know? Don't you want to know exactly what he wants you to do right now in this last days that we're living in? I tell you, we need to know so that we can walk with confidence, that we walk strong and assured of where we are supposed to be is this place right here. One person said, if you want what God wants for the same reason that he wants it, you are invincible. It's crazy. John Wesley, he said this about fasting, and I, I hesitate to speak it because it is, it's pretty strong. He said, the man who never fasts is no more in the way to heaven than the man who never prays. Hmm. Wow. And the Apostle Paul, he, he, he said that, that he, you know, left for dead. He goes through his list of things that happened to him, stripes, you know, three times. I guess it was four before he died, but in the Bible it says three times he had the stripes of Jesus, meaning he was beaten like Jesus with, with a, you know, that type of a tool. And, and, uh, and, and it's just amazing, but he said, and, and in fastings often, in fastings often. He was used to going without food for the purpose of the kingdom. And uh, whether they were self-induced or not, I believe that fasting is a very important aspect of our life, that we should have it periodically in our life, is that you want to hear God's voice, you want to, you want to lock in. It's like in the old days we had radios that you would tune to the station, you know, you know, and then you would get it right on there, well, it, where it was the best. It was never perfect, but anyways, it was the best. 
And, and so when you, when you fast, I feel like it's like tuning yourself in. Now, God doesn't change. I'll say it again. God doesn't change. But we're tuning ourselves in to the frequency. Do you understand? Because in those days, the radio uh, signals were going out, uh, but it would hit the antenna, and then it was the, the car and the radio that would be dialed in. We're the car, we're the radio, we're dialing ourselves in. Oh, now I hear, now I see. And I've noticed uh, by the end of the week, man, there's just a clarity and a confidence that I walk away during those times. I've seen breakthroughs, I've seen bondages broken over people's lives during those times. I say, what, is, what do you do that for? Well, I'm telling you, it's important. In, uh, uh, let me, real quick, I got a minute and 30 seconds to read 16 scriptures. Are you ready? <laughs> it's going to sound like the chipmunks. Uh, as, <laughs> oh, Jesus, God help me. So 2 Corinthians seven fourteen, it says, if my people, everybody say my people, <clears throat> who are called by my name shall humble themselves, pray, seek, crave, and require of necessity my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. So here again, we see the necessity, the responsibility of the condition of any generation, any city, any country, any government, any uh, particular group of people that it rests on the shoulders of the church. We want to blame whatever party is in the office or whatever, but in reality, it's the church. If we will call upon the name of the Lord. And, and, and then it says, he will. It doesn't say, well, then he'll see what he can do with what you give him. No, it says he will heal our land. So if there's any one reason uh, that we could see screaming at us is our land needs healing so bad. In the, the condition of our country and the condition of the hearts of people and uh, what is going on, we really need to cry out to God and, and, and ask for his help. Praise the Lord. Amen. And uh, uh, I got nine seconds. James 5.16 it says, confess to one another, therefore, all your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins, and pray also for one another that you may be, be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Glory to God. So the dunamis, power of God is uh, what we need in our lives, in our families, in our churches, in our communities, in our nation and in the world. That God, the divine, would come and intervene into the affairs of man. How does he do that? By us inquiring of him. He said, call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you knoweth not. You, if you do the research on that particular statement, he literally takes us into secret places and opens up secret caverns of revelation and understanding of things unknown.